This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. Grains ended the week on a mixed note. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose says these grains really struggled all week. I think, you know, the bottom line is just uh, too much grain in the U.S. Uh, for right now, and we're looking for a bullish card. And, you know, we also learned this week uh, funds sitting with a record short position in corn. Uh, so certainly if you run into a catalyst, there's going to be an exit to the door. But until then, technicals are weak. Uh, we continue to liquidate. Um, next week, options go off the board on Friday, and then the week after uh, first notice day comes up on the uh, March positions. E. Hedger market analyst John Wiedemann says the grains continue to search for fresh news. You know, we just got uh, from the commitment of traders data shows, you know, spec traders piling on to overall short position uh, with little fundamental news. Um, but uh, South America weather looks good. I mean, you got these corn up a penny and a quarter, no beans up eight. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, rains performed as expected in South America. So, um, and again, the managed money uh, crowd continues to sell grains, especially corn. So, um, you know, we might get a little short covering here. Um, a little friendly these 24 corn, but uh, yeah, other than that, not, not a ton of news, not a ton of news at all. Progressive ag marketing market analyst Brian Strumman says that wheat market seems to be keeping a lid on the grains. Three-month highs in the dollar this week and, you know, talk that Russia is going to increase their export quotas and their prices are working lower. And I think that's weighing on the wheat complex and, and again, maybe spilling over to the corn market, not giving that much of an opportunity to work higher, although we are up uh, one to two cents here. Uh, I think we could have a better day if, if that wheat market would turn around. But, uh, you know, you look at the bearish USDA outlook report and those numbers, uh, you know, maybe being a little worse than what was estimated. And, and I think that's uh, kind of hanging over the market. And like you said, in the soybeans, I think some short covering coming into play. And, and uh, uh, again, we traded to new contract lows this week in the corn and the wheat complex and the soybeans aren't far from them. Farmers, though, continue to hold a larger-than-usual amount of grain on farm. Corn Belt Marketing market analyst Sam Hudson thinks that is playing a role in the market's mentality. Well, it has. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we didn't see a ton of farmer sales there at harvest. I think, uh, you know, at that point there was still a notion that maybe yields could be down. And, you know, so we kind of saw the necessity sales, uh, you know, at harvest like we typically do. But after that, everyone was... You know, waiting for a post-harvest rally, and if you go all the way back to November 20th, I think we've only had two weeks uh, where we've closed uh, corn prices, you know, unchanged or higher uh, for a week, and so that's just kind of a demoralizing move, uh, death by a thousand cuts, uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I would estimate you still have, you know, probably closer to half of the old crop out here, you know, owned by the farmer, 40 to 50 percent, quite quite a lot less in soybeans, um, but I think that it just gives us this hangover into summer. Abbott Futures market analyst Preston Zacharias says the livestock market saw a bit of a correction. The cattle had a, you know, the lows were set basically at the uh, beginning of December and have been steadily trudging higher here. And, you know, at least so far, they haven't even broken the uptrend yet. So um, when they do pierce a previous, you know, important low, then then maybe we can talk about a reversal there. But at, as of right now, I think they're still on the uptrend on, on the cattle side of things. The National Oilseed Processors Association, NOPA, reported its members crushed 186 million bushels in January. That's below market expectations, but it's still a record for the month of January. Let's look at markets this week in agriculture.
I'm Randy Conan. Are you a farmer looking to stay on top of trends and innovations in your industry? Attend the International Crop Expo, February 21st and 22nd at the Alaris Center. This free event includes seminars and a trade show featuring over 100,000 square feet of farming machinery and vendors. Hear from keynote speakers Hunter Pinky, Russ Tweeten, and Bobby Sondrell. Also check out the new BASF Beer Garden. That's February 21st through 22nd at the Alaris Center. Take your farming skills to the next level. Learn more at CropExpo.com. Think back to your time in the FFA. What did it do for you? What did you learn that got you to where you are today? How many things did you experience for the first time because of the FFA? Who did you meet you couldn't imagine life without? Let's not just witness. Let's ensure our members continue to have the experiences that created the people we are today. Support North Dakota FFA. Visit ndffafoundation.org. With a look at farm news this week in agriculture, I'm Tyler Donaldson. The ongoing farm protests in Europe have resulted in a significant policy change. The European Union has dropped plans to cut pesticide use in half while excluding agriculture from a required 90% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. Farmers in France, Portugal, Belgium, Greece, Spain, Poland, and Germany have been protesting the EU Green Deal and the threat of increased competition. Farm groups are also calling for the resignation of the EU Agriculture Commissioner. The USDA says the number of farms and ranches in the United States continues to decline. According to the latest USDA Census of Agriculture, there were 1.9 million farms and ranches in 2022. That's down 7% from the 2017 census. The average size of the U.S. farm is 463 acres, or up 5%. Family-owned and operated farms account for 95% of all U.S. farms. At its 100th annual Ag Outlook Forum, USDA estimated corn acreage at 91 million acres and soybeans at 87.5 million acres. If realized, corn acreage will be down 3.6% from last year and soybeans will be down nearly 4%. USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer kicked off the Ag Outlook Forum, indicating prices for corn, soybeans, and wheat are expected to erode this year. Fertilizer prices may be lower, but Meyer said margins will be squeezed by generally higher input costs. We're entering a period here where you're going to have to really, you know, it was maybe easier to make a little bit of money in 22-23. It's going to be a little bit tougher in the next crop year. And so this is just an example to tell you, you know, we enter these periods where you make money, and then when prices normalize, those input prices tend to be pretty sticky, and that's a problem. Meyer said that the U.S. is also facing difficult export competition, but that ultimately weather will have the final word. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack delivered a familiar theme during his address at the USDA Ag Outlook Forum, questioning if farm programs should focus primarily on the largest 10 to 15 percent of farmers. Vilsack emphasized opportunities for more farmers would address a larger societal issue, ultimately benefiting rural communities. The Red River Farm Network asked Vilsack if means testing is needed for farm programs. No. Uh, It it means continued investment in local and regional uh, food purchasing opportunities. It means uh, support for the local agricultural marketing program. It means support for farm to school. It means support for farmer market promotion. It means support for uh, the purchasing of food uh, and creating of markets. Vilsack went on to say the focus should be on creating new and better markets, which may mean local and regional food systems. 
Swine Health Information Center and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research have partnered together to fund a $1 million research program to study, prepare, and respond to the Japanese encephalitis virus. The virus, which had an outbreak in Australia in 2022, is capable of infecting pigs, humans, and horses, and is carried by both mosquitoes and water birds. SHIC Associate Director Lisa Becton says that the United States can learn a lot from the recent outbreak in Australia. Right now, the United States does not have the virus, and so we're really more in the prevention mode, but also monitoring. So we're understanding from Australia what their experiences were with the virus, how they managed and handled the virus, and a lot of their efforts focused on mosquito control. Net farm income hit a high in 2022, but dropped off 26% this past year. A trio of economists spoke at the USDA's Ag Outlook Forum and agreed the downward trend will continue this year. Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City Senior Vice President Nathan Kaufman said profits will be thinner. And if farm income declines again in 2025 and a similar decline in working capital, Kaufman said agriculture will be in a situation very similar to the period between 2016 and 2019. During the Q&A session, Ohio State University Professor Emeritus Carl Zuloff was asked about this year's decision between the ARC and PLC programs. Zuloff said it may be worthwhile to wait and see what happens with markets during the rest of this month, splitting base acres from one farm into ARC and the other into PLC. That's a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Tyler Donald. The Minnesota Corn Growers Association has worked tirelessly in the interests of today's corn industry. Because you're busy farming and raising a family, they're at the table when you can't be. But like you, they can't do it alone. Their strength is their members. That strength is in you. Join Minnesota Corn as it continues to advocate for the American corn farmer. Visit mncorn.org and become a member today. Early mornings, late nights, rain, snow, sunshine. It's the rhythm of the day for the American farmer and rancher. We get it. The Red River Farm Network is here to help you make informed decisions for your farm. We're proud to deliver farm news, markets, and weather to the innovators and decision makers. Join farm broadcasters Don Wick, Randy Conan, Whitney Pittman, and Tyler Donaldson for the news that impacts your bottom line. The Red River Farm Network is reporting agriculture's business. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Brazil's weather remains favorable for crop development and field work over the next couple of weeks. World Weather Incorporated says southern Brazil will get needed rain this week and we'll see a good mix of rain and sunshine into early next week. Northern Brazil will experience some net drying before an alternating pattern of rain and sunshine occurs next week. Argentina's rains continue to push northward, improving soil moisture in the driest areas. World Weather says Argentina's crop conditions will continue to slowly improve over the next couple of weeks. Weather pattern across the Midwest uh, expected to remain unchanged over the next two weeks. World Weather Incorporated says the northern plains and west-central and northwestern Corn Belt in the U.S. will continue to experience below normal precipitation, although not completely dry. Moisture in the central plains will continue to be light. World Weather also releasing their annual U.S. spring-summer weather preview this week. Here's senior ag meteorologist Drew Lerner. 
for the northern plains, uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, I think we're probably going to uh, have a, a, a fair spring. It's going to not be excessively wet, but we will have a couple of uh, beneficial rain events come along to help us get in the field. But we will be dealing with some drier tendencies maybe in the summer. Those drier tendencies will probably be more significant in South Dakota, southern Minnesota, and then further south into Iowa, Nebraska, and, and all the way down to the Gulf Coast. Drought conditions could expand across the northern plains. I'm not convinced that we're going to see good generalized precipitation across all of these areas. I think the National Weather Service came out uh, today and suggested that there would be some expansion of drought uh, during the March, April, May time period across some of the areas in southern Canada and the northern fringes of the northern plains. Uh, And that's something that we definitely want to watch. I certainly agree that the precipitation over these next few weeks will continue to be rather restricted. Climate smart fuels are a continued conversation for various companies and commodity groups. CHS Senior Vice President of Refined Fuels Jason Swantz says low-carbon fuels are impacting fuel markets. The transition, though, may be slower than anticipated. More and more states are looking at LCFSs. I think it's moving a little slower than people thought, um, especially the renewable diesel. There are people making it, uh, but it is strictly going out to the states that have the low carbon fuel standards. Uh, That's one of the only ways that you can make it financially work is to have those standards. E15, though, has pulled away from the pack. I think E85, though, is one, uh, if you look at, or excuse me, E15. E15 is a product that is making some progress. Uh, and at CHS, we offer it at over 30 terminals. Uh, I think that is good for our corn growers out there. But I think if you look at it, the renewable fuels sector is a growing sector. It's going to take time, though. I think SAF, if you look at it, it would be sustainable aviation fuel. That is something people talk about. And I think is going to be viable, but it's going to take some time to develop it out and see where the prices shake out. Extension sugar beet specialist Tom Peters highlighted the importance of soil type when determining herbicide rates, and knowing that information is key to preventing injury. Having too much herbicide in a low organic matter or coarse textured soil could mean potentially having injury. But likewise, not having the right rate in a high organic matter or fine textured soil might mean um, water hemp break. So both ends, you might say, are pretty important for us. And that's a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. When it comes to marketing, it's all about risk management. Part of marketing is your cost of production. So we need to figure out what is it going to take for you to make money on your farm. What I like to do with farmers is make sure they have a personalized plan. What can they store? When do they need the cash? When should they be selling? What is their risk management? And so developing a marketing plan is a huge part of farm business management. Helping you reach your business and personal goals. Minnesota Farm Business Management. Visit agcentric.org. Don't miss the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235 on the Red River Farm Network. Specialty crop markets are special and require more digging than corn, soybeans, and wheat. We do that digging by talking with numerous crop scouts, growers, and processors in the North Harvest region or wherever beans that affect local markets are grown. So follow the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235 on this Red River Farm Network station. The dry bean scene, brought to you by the North Harvest Bean Growers Association.